I'm talking to Vincent Farrelly and Oscar Bayron, both of them in Ireland. We're talking about fungi and the prospect of growing mycelium at scale using waste products from breweries and distilleries. Mycelium and the fruiting mushrooms can be used for food, as well as food additives and pharmaceuticals from antibiotics, uh, antioxidants and immunosuppressants. They are a functional food filled with an amazing amount of beneficial properties. Uh, my name is Alex Crisp. Welcome to The Future of Foods. Okay, so uh, thank you both for joining me today on uh, Future of Foods. And can you... Um, uh, give a brief introduction of of um, of who you are and how you related to each other. Uh, Vincent, thanks very, first. thanks very much, Alex. Uh, yes, my name is Vincent Farley, uh, founder and CEO of Niskus Biotech. Um, essentially, what Niskus Biotech is doing is developing scale-up process technology to utilize underutilized site streams from the agri-food industry, such as brewers, spent grain, and to add value it by leveraging the power of fungi to create fungal-based products, such as food ingredients and feed ingredients. And uh, we're basically working with research uh, partners to develop the process uh, and uh, fermented products and this is why uh, we're working with uh, Maynooth University and Ozar's team. Okay, and uh, what? And so, what do you supply to uh, Vincent Oscar? What's your what's your uh, specialism? So, um, I am fungal molecular biologist. So, working with fungi more than twenty years, and I am leading a fungal genetics and secondary metabolism laboratory. So uh, we have wide experience on fungal secondary metabolites, so bioactive molecules that produce that are produced by fungi, and and we also provide expertise on fungal physiology, fungal growth, strain selection, and and fermentation uh, development systems. Okay. So um, how are you working in a, in a kind of day-to-day way with uh, Vincent? What are you actually doing together at the moment? If that makes sense as a question, you know, what is the actual yeah. project? Um, so just, just if I can step in there, uh, we're yeah. basically um, coming together to develop a process technology that will enable the conversion of spent grains for example into fungal products and the challenge there is to be able to do this at scale so there's a lot of uh, it's a combination of engineering and also a combination of selecting the right strain getting the right growing conditions and ensuring that you get consistency of bioactives being produced Right. Okay. So you are taking grains, uh, spent grains, uh, from um, uh, from breweries and and such and distilleries. Yes. And so you are trying to find the perfect strain of fungi to grow in this particular media. Is that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there is a wide variety of strains that one can use. 
and uh, there is where we're focusing on is using um, fungal strains uh, that one can grow gourmet mushrooms that one can grow gourmet mushrooms on. So they're food grade, and the, as you know, the fungi are very very powerful little biochemical factories, and they have ability to convert. Um, these side streams into high-value bioactives. So it's a case of aligning the fungi to the specific substrate uh, with the goal of actually de developing the uh, bioactive or the byproduct that could also be fungal protein uh, that can do this at scale. And that's uh, the challenge that we have. Uh, and we're doing this in a kind of an incremental steps. Okay. So the food product fungi is uh, is is what is it is it one that is it one that people would recognise? Yes, mushrooms or yes. So, so you know, so um, the mushrooms that were the the fungi that we are using um, have been associated with the gourmet mushrooms. So we're talking about oyster mushrooms here. Um, and they're very tasty and healthy, and they have uh, they're they're starting to come into more. Uh, you can see them in more restaurants and, and and supermarkets, and that is the fungi that we're we're growing. Uh, we have two options here. We have the option of actually uh, growing the fungi on these uh, side streams from the brewing industry, or we can actually just grow the roots of the fungi, which is called mycelium. And these mycelium produce interesting bioactives and also fungal protein that could be extracted. And the trick is basically how do you how do you do this in an economical and scalable manner? Okay, so the mycelium. So you're you're kind of you're sort of less interested in the fruiting body itself. You're more interested in the mycelium, perhaps, to extract the proteins from. Is that is that right? Well, it, it, it's 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 there's a there's a journey here in which the there's quite an overlapping process in which one is developing that one could actually continue on. And work with uh, mushroom growers to uh, grow those uh, uh, mushrooms, the fruiting bodies, uh, utilizing these uh, side streams that uh, are widely available, such as Burrowsman grain. So that is one destination of the process, which we're working on. And it's actually newer to market. Indeed, uh, we're working with mushroom grower to actually to uh, to use this as a substrate to create these mushrooms, and they and he sells into uh, restaurants, uh, primarily into high-end restaurants, and that's a trade that could be grown. But what we're where we see the future going forward is um, to actually grow just the mycelium, and that then is a lot quicker, uh, a lot faster process. It takes under ten days. And you can do a you you can have a conversion of the substrate into primarily mycelium, and from that then there's various different extraction technologies that you can extract all the the goodness out of, be it enzymes or other pro fungal proteins okay. or other bioactives. Okay. So that's 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 where we're developing the process. Okay, I get it. So. Um... Clearly, the advantage to using the mycelium is that uh, because there are, as I know, there are two stages to growing the fruiting body. You have to grow the mycelium first in the substrate 
and then from the mycelium the fruiting body is grown so it would take longer to get the fruiting body and you don't necessarily get more proteins or more uh uh things from the fruiting yeah. body is that is that it, it's it, that's there's two separate markets here there's the fresh market which is the fruiting body which is a longer period of time it's it's a it's a, it is a, is a different it goes on for a different process it's generally grown in um growing chambers and um, there's the initial stage is the mycelium. And one can actually you know, develop a system in which you can actually grow the mycelium up at scale. And we're talking here, how do you actually develop a system that is able to process multiple tons of the spent grain? Because that's what these uh, breweries and distilleries produce nearly on a daily basis. And how do you actually process that, that in an efficient manner to actually have a good conversion of that into mycelium-based product. Okay. Okay, so um, in regards to sort of growing the uh, fungi or, or the mycelium um, part of it, I mean, what are the problems, you know, what are, you know, what are the hurdles you need to, you know, what can go wrong? So um, as you mentioned, Alex, um, so that we have two parts, mycelia and the fruiting body. So mycelia generally we also called vegetative stage. So the fungus basically take up the nutrients all the time and grows and produce masses of biomass. So that's basically long strings of these uh, mycelia. So when the conditions are optimum for the mushrooms, so like certain humidity and certain temperature, then it, it fruit, produce fruiting bodies. So I think, so my expertise, particularly in early years of my career, I focus on in, in mold fruiting body formation. So a lot of factors can influence mold fruiting bodies. So like starvation, one factor, okay? Sometimes under starvation conditions, these molds, for example, they can undergo quick fruit body formation, and some stress condition even can be uh, uh, can induce fruit body formation and light dark influence fruit body formation. So, what can go wrong? So the point is, um, maybe if you cannot induce them in timely, so you will have less fruit bodies that will reduce the basically the yield of the production. But what we are interested here is there is a lot of value also on the as Vincent mentioned. So. Uh, on the mycelia. So the, the mycelia is always much easier to grow. When it, when it comes to fruiting bodies, uh, you have to have certain time period to induce fruiting bodies. So what we aim also here, uh, we try to understand and also reduce the fruiting body formation so that can, we can get more fruiting bodies from one set of growth conditions. So, Particularly, we are also interested in the some strains that can make quicker fruiting bodies. So in the strain selection studies, so we can get some strains that can make quicker fruiting bodies just doing some sort of um, strain improvement studies. Okay. So by doing the strain improvements, I suppose you you make them uh, you you know you make it so they can produce more mycelium more fruiting bodies but also that they are they if if you get bacteria in i know it can destroy mm -hmm. 
it can destroy the whole lot, can't it? So if you improve the strains, would that improve their strength against infection by bacteria? Uh, well, we cannot know initially from initial studies if that will be the consequences. However, what we focus on here, as Vincent said, we, we focus on size stream materials. So it will be much different than the normal mushroom farms. So we are interested in solid uh, and the liquid and, 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 and some sort of semi-solid uh, mattresses growing these fungi and getting basically mushrooms and mycelia from these fungi. So in this context, we will work and, you know, just and with really a lot of care. So there'll be less contamination to our system. So one of the major problem, if you work with the liquid cultures, you will have some contamination problem. So uh, particularly if, if the mushroom grows enough, it will not allow to contamination also anymore because it will generate some bioactive so that will prevent the growth of the bacteria in this liquid media. It's initially, if we don't get contamination at the initial culture stage of these uh, semi-solid or liquid cultures, so uh, then we can get a lot of mycelium mass just to produce food materials. And, and also we can use these uh, basically mycelial mass and also these liquid media to extract valuable bioactive compounds so that we can use for in pharmaceutical industry and, and, and also food biotechnology as food additives. Okay. Yeah. So, so just, just to add to that is that um, the challenge that we have is to develop a process that's easy to integrate into a partner's uh, processes that is developing, that is creating these side streams. So the question is, how do you actually integrate what we're doing at scale into a brewery or a distillery that's producing um, thousands of litres of this uh, liquid waste or thousands of kilograms of this spent grain on a daily basis? And um, that's that's the challenge because you can't. It's expensive to take these side streams off site. There, it's there's a timing issue and there's a degradation issue as well. And we're basically saying, how do we fit in a system that works well, that is near automated, that can actually create a valuable byproduct, mm. fermented byproduct? And uh, that's 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 the challenge that we have. It's taken a system that's you know has been shown to work on a benchtop system or elements of it, and building that up in kind of like small pilot scale process, initially a small one-ton pilot, and then building the knowledge and expertise to build up to a large uh, facility that will either be on site on that brewery or on, on uh, or near site. And that's, uh, that's, where, that's what Niscus will be busy doing, hopefully, over the next uh, few years. Okay. So of course this is uh this is exciting um you know this is potentially uh uh you know something that's very exciting for the breweries as well to you know to be able to show that their waste is being used in yeah. some useful way. Well I mean there's there's a number of things um that uh have to be factored in um you know we fast forward 5 to 10 years time there will be um there will be incentives 
more and more incentives for uh, uh, companies to be more circular. And uh, there will also be penalties and fines um, for waste disposal. So currently what is happening, um, some of the side streams that are generated by these breweries and and whiskey distilleries, they often go as uh, an animal feed or go to a feed company. So that that is nearly, that's traditionally what's happened. Sometimes um, the side streams spoil or they're not able to be transported to a farm or to an animal feed company. And their their destination is an anaerobic digester and sometimes landfill or there's expensive uh, disposal costs. So um, it's a case of kind of like building, uh, broadening horizons and building partnerships with um, food companies, breweries and uh, enabling technology companies like Niscus and academic partners to say, is there better ways in which you can can use this side streams and to have added value products and have cascade extraction processes as well. And that's where we're, that's where we're focusing on. And the brewery and distillery industry is very, uh, a very nice case studies because all breweries and all distilleries have the near similar problems. They have an issue with their liquid side streams and have an issue with their solid state side streams. So what, what we would like to do is work with a few candidate breweries and distilleries demonstrated a pilot that, that you can actually have create value uh, it work in cooperation with uh, end users such as food companies that are seeking um, uh, uh, more reliable or more new or more sustainable um, ingredients such as proteins or aromas uh, ingredients and help build that bridge between um, these uh, various companies um, so that's that's what we're doing. So it's 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 cutting it's cutting ground. What novel area that we're working in, but we see over the next five to ten years, there's opportunities here to uh, that that many breweries and many distilleries in Europe will be having this uh, valorization or micro valorization uh, process near or on site their premises. Mm. I think there's certainly a lot of potential. So it's it's sort of oyster mushrooms. Are there any other mushroom strains? That well, uh, the, so we're we're using oyster mushrooms as our standard, you know, test case. And um, they're they're quite a diverse uh, group of mushrooms that um, can actually um, uh, valorize or break down a, a broad range of um, side streams. And they're also food grade. But there's opportunities to use other to evaluate as we grow and diversify other types of mushrooms, both food grade and also maybe mushrooms that be that can be utilized for creating specific bioactives. Maybe um, also if you want to come in here and you know um, describe some of the other options that can be developed um, uh, or other bioactives that can be created. Yeah, as we know, uh, fungi they produce tons of bioactives. So if you look at each fungus genome, we can see up to 50, 60 secondary metabolite gene clusters. So we think that only one secondary metabolite gene cluster synthesizes one metabolite, let's say antibiotic, anti-cancer, or immunosuppressive molecule. So one fungus can produce up to 60 metabolites, but if we think only each 
secondary metabolite gene cluster produce one compound. But often the case, there is some crosstalk between the gene clusters. So this gene cluster produce, uh, you know, basically enzymes from that gene cluster produce one compound. That compound is converted by the another gene cluster enzymes to another one. So we have some crosstalk that production of these metabolites could be more than 100. So the main thing is just to really to identify the metabolites from these fungal extracts and select the valuable ones and, and also concentrate on this. For example, sometimes a very valuable metabolite can be produced less, but as Vincent mentioned, if we grow them in the ton scale, so you can get these extracts and concentrate them using like HPLC systems, you can get them in high amounts. So that will provide high value for this, you know, for the size streams in addition to uh, being used for the food and also these extracts can be used just for the extraction of these high value uh, fungal secondary metabolites. So as we know, antibiotics, like since 1930s, saved millions of lives like penicillin. Today, even we use, still use one of the strongest antibiotics and the broad spectrum. So fungal world has basically millions of these metabolites. So main thing that we select the fungi that grow well on these cytotremes, happily growing, producing good uh, mycelia and also can also produce nice fruiting bodies. So we cannot expect all of these different mushrooms will make uh, high efficient fruiting bodies, but some of them will produce maybe better mycelia, but less fruit bodies, some of them less mycelia, better fruiting bodies. But we will also know uh, just analyzing those strains in the side streams and what kind of metabolites they are producing. So what we aim basically um, can be, so normally the fungi, they produce, of course, under normal conditions, they make the fruiting bodies and they also activate secondary metabolite genes. They produce metabolites. So our aim is to understand if we can get conditions where the fungus only makes the vegetative mycelia but produce the same profile of secondary metabolites as it does during fruit body formation. So we can achieve that condition. So even we won't need the fruiting bodies. So we can directly use the mycelium mass just to make the foods and you know just functional foods and also get the extracts from this fungus and then extract this valuable secondary metabolites, even the enzymes, just in addition to the raw material. Because as you know, fungi, they have a lot of functional molecules. So if you eat fungus, you get high rich beta-glucans that will train your immune system, boost immune system. So it's always recommended to eat mushroom once a week to really train your microphages in your body because the beta-glucans, they are very important molecules. So it's found in the bacterial cell wall, fungal cell wall, in a lot of, there are a lot of pathogen like this. So once your cells eat them all the time, they are trained against also those pathogens. But That's, also, yeah. And so, and so you're saying that people should eat mushrooms once a week because it's good for their immune system. Does it matter what sort of mushroom they eat? It yeah. doesn't really matter what sort of mushroom they eat. Uh, main thing, the, all, all, all mushrooms they have, beta-glucan, in their cell wall. So they are rich in different uh, different sugars that have strong 
uh, or potent uh, effect in the immune system. But the main thing is uh, there are some mushrooms uh, in addition to beta-glucans, they can provide vitamin D. So, and some mushrooms, they might have like, um, uh, what was it? Uh, there was one molecule similar to vitamin C. Actually, uh, there is an antioxidant molecule is called ergotinine. So some mushrooms, they produce ergotinine. It's, it's, it's very strong antioxidant molecule. So basically eating mushroom, you train your immune system, you get protein, you get bioactives, you get also antioxidants and vitamins a lot. So that's, we can classify the mushrooms as functional foods. So they are naturally a functional foods, even if you eat them raw at some of the, you know, uh, some edible mushrooms. But some mushrooms are better than other mushrooms, I suspect, right? Uh, yeah, that's your, I believe that Vincent. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah so 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 basically, um, we see uh, increasing interest in gourmet mushrooms, um, shiitake, lion's mane, mitaki, um, oyster mushrooms, king oyster. Um, not only are they tasting very nice, they've got a meaty texture, uh, in some cases, flavor. Or, you know, the likes of lion's mane has kind of a shrimp loist, uh, lobster uh, flavor. Um, so. Um, we're seeing that there's an interest in using them as uh, meat alternatives or to complement uh, um, uh, people's diets as a nutraceutical. So often, uh, you know, people can consume that in uh, a supplement. Um, where we would like to see it, we would like to see people consuming more of these um, uh, gourmet mushrooms uh, as part of their uh, as part of their daily or weekly diet. Uh, both in fruiting body and also um, in, in extracts. So they have been associated with kind of improved general overall general health, uh, immune health, and um, you know there's some um, publications associated with some of these mushrooms improving uh, being of benefit for people who have um, memory loss or onset of Alzheimer's. Yes, it's clearly it's clearly it's clear to see why uh, fungi and mushrooms are. Um, interesting and of great value, um, you know, to to all things from from kind of recycling to sort of packaging to to clothing kind of dyes to to you know brain functionality and etc uh, etc. Et it's almost it's almost kind of it's almost kind of never ending what they're capable of. Um, I wanted to ask you, Oscar, how did you first become interested in fungi research well um well originally i did my master studies uh, in yeast so as you know the yeast is quite versatile organism so we use it just in bakery to make bread and also for our drink and uh you know the that some big drink giants they produce their beverages beer production so, but then I switched to Phylamentous Fungi, just seeing that they have more use than yeast. So of course yeast uh, contributed basically to all just development of humanity. The people, uh, basically mankind is using the mushrooms last 3000 years. So we can see the recourse that uh, people are using in, in, in China, different mushrooms for the treatment of different diseases. and. Uh, we also in folklore, we, we consume the mushrooms. 
So just seeing the importance of the mushrooms and filamentous fungi, so I decided to do a PhD to understand this versatile nature of this fungi. So uh, therefore, during my PhD, I studied more in a group in Germany, in Göttingen, a fruit body formation. So all most many fungi, they produce fruit bodies, uh, you know, either they're uh, molds, little filamentous fungi, which are microscopic fungi, but we have also microscopic fungi, all mushroom families. So they produce basically the, the fruit bodies or these are growing structures. So basically that made me very interested in their versatility. So far, uh, I have been doing a lot of molecular research and then understanding the genetic regulation and of fruit body formation, also production of fungal bioactives. So how light controls, how nutrient level controls, and and finally, what, what are the outcomes of this control and how the production changed during in the light and dark, fruit body, how it's produced. And I'm also interested in more mycotoxins. So mycotoxins are a big problem, probably a topic of another, uh, another podcast. But so uh, just seeing all these, and it's now the time that to transfer all this knowledge to do basically the, at the industrial level. So we are collaborating with Vincent and then just to basically transfer all this knowledge of this genetics, biochemistry, and physiology into production of that um, valuable fungal foods and fungal-derived uh bioactives and also enzymes mm. just using um i mean i am interested in the mycotoxins so this is um yeah that's so basically yeah the mycotoxins are the notorious compound that are harmful to animal and human health so okay. so uh, so basically mycotoxins are also a one group of secondary metabolites so the fungi in addition to the beneficial molecules they also produce these dangerous and, and uh, deadly molecules, mycotoxins. So if, if they are contaminated food sources like aflatoxins, there's a big problem in Africa and Asia. So they, in the long-term consumption, can lead to, for example, liver cancer in the aflatoxins. But as Vincent mentioned, uh, as just the bioremediation is another part of fungi. So we are all coming to point that fungi are at the center of a sustainable world. So, so bioremediation is basically use of fungi to like detoxify the heavy metals from soil because fungi can accumulate and detoxify basically to trap the heavy metals, for example, and they can be used for the cleaning up the wastewaters because they can also degrade it xenobiotics, which are the, some drug residues, chemicals found in the wastewater, so that uh, I mean, uh, the fungi, their ability, a lot of enzymes to break down these xenobiotics and then clean the waters. So these are, we call the bioremediation. I mean, so even there are some recent years, there are some also progress in the degradation of the plastics by fungi. Uh, there are some studies, although they are not really, they haven't discovered yet very important enzymes, but so fungi can be used for bioremediation at every aspect. 
Anything yeah. that you'd like to add, for yeah. instance, on yeah, this? Yeah, ju just, just, I mean, uh, basically, once you enter into the world of fungi, it's there's so much opportunity to create uh, different products and services across many different sectors, ranging from food, beverage, bioplastics, bioremediation. So there's, there's great scope. So what we're doing here is we're developing a process for a small subsection of that, uh, how to, uh, to uh, initially how to um, upcycle um, burrs grain and whiskey spent grain uh, and to create high value food ingredients uh, and feed ingredients. Okay. And uh, we're, 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 we're only selecting um, food grade gourmet mushrooms the types of mushrooms you 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 would eat in in restaurants, they're the mushrooms that we're growing. So they're perfectly safe uh, mushrooms, and their byproduct and the products that they create are perfectly safe. Indeed, there's there's uh, uh, growing evidence that um, some of the bioactives that these um, fungi produce have uh, great beneficial health uh, benefits to individual uh, to general health. Mm. So what so, do you need? Uh, so what do you, you know, what are you looking for at the moment to kind of help help grow? So the next steps. I mean, we, we're we're a small company, but uh, we've we've lofty ambitions. Uh, we want to grow this company. Uh, we're based in Ireland, um, but we're very keen in building international partnerships. Uh, the the problem we're solving is a pro is an international problem. Every brewery and every distillery. Uh, around the world has this problem and not only in even in the food industry every food industry a food manufacturer has a underutilized side stream that they're currently increasingly having difficulties of finding uses of that and often those side streams if they're left for any period of time go off and they become expensive waste streams for them so we're interested in working with food companies and beverage companies that have these side streams and want to be innovative and uh, want to actually create value. And we're, through our process that we're developing, we would like to work with them to help them create value. And on the on the flip side of that, we're, we're very keen to work with uh, food companies that are seeking more secure sources uh, and more sustainable sources of their food ingredients. Um, such as proteins, aromas, um, uh, and nutraceuticals of which the fungi, these fungi can produce them. And we're also interested in working with uh, companies that have associated enabling technologies, such as extraction technologies that could dovetail into our process. And as a startup, yes, we're keen to forge links with uh, very good research groups, such as the uh, we have here in Maynooth and um, yes we will be seeking you know investment follow-on investment and uh, so we we're looking for investors um, in the that invest in food processing technologies okay all right well that's that's um it's very interesting to to kind of think about what's what's possible in the world of uh, fungi in the future of fungi so I mean, this is a bit of a um, uh, a, a kind of curveball question to end on. Um, uh, uh, Oscar, what do you think might be one of the most exciting things that fungi can offer us in 10 years from now? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, well, this, this is, 
an important but also difficult question because fungi, they can offer in 10 years many things. So as we are trying here, so we can use all these side streams, all these uh, basically beverage industry and also food industry to use all these side streams and turn them into economic value. So nothing is wasted. So basically then we can squeeze out everything, all the energy, all the nutrient values and all basically everything out of these this uh, agricultural products, turn them into the valuable products. That's probably almost with uh, zero loss. So we then turn them into drinks, beverages, bioactives and proteins. That's one thing that's very, very important. But in the second part is I believe the fungi will be used more in the construction industry and also, and will be used more in the bioremediation of the earth because our earth is getting polluted, you know, just getting more and more polluted. So we are having more heavy metals, more chemicals in the environment. So, and there will be probably some plants in the future using the fungi or fungal enzymes to basically remediate the wastewaters. And probably we will be degrading the plastics in some large, plant fermenters with some fungal enzymes, adding it and then turning them into a valuable, also valuable carbon rich molecules, which can be reutilized by other processes, turn other byproducts. So mm. there's a broad future, but we have also a large like bioactive. So, so far there's estimated 5 million fungal species. So we only know only 60,000 of them. So we don't know the rest. Mm. So each of them have valuable genes, valuable enzymes, valuable metabolites. So we might see a lot of maybe anti-cancer compound and uh, you know new, new classes of antibiotics coming from fungi that will magically treat the diseases coming from bacteria fungi, viruses, and we can also use them in the treatment of some cancer types, maybe. So it is a big, big, big picture. It's certainly a very exciting um, uh, prospects to see what's possible. Uh, who knows, we may even sort of find a fuel from fungi in some way, some some kind of power source. So um, well, actually, fungi are already using biofuel production. So uh, I know a colleague of mine, uh, Gustavo Goldman doing a lot of work uh, there, this conversion of these um, sugar cane into bioethanol production. But still these are, you know, just still that we use these fuels, just burning them, generating CO2. So we have to look at from the green side a more circular way. So it'll be potentially could be that fungi could be producing some sort of fuel so who knows? So maybe some some enzymes, some enzymatic processes, one can produce uh, some yeah. magical fuel in ten years. Yeah. Yeah. I just to add to that, we're we're uh, we're entering into that. We are in the biocentric, and the future will have fungi written into it. And um, there is a need to what we're finding is there is a need to actually develop the technology and the process that will scale and actually dovetails into existing processes. 
and that is a challenge because uh, there is currently there's 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 many silos, and what we would see is that that process technology will help bring build bridges between non-traditional companies that have not worked with each other but could actually utilize be of benefit to each other. But we're using the fungi and the process to be those little small biochemical um, reactors that we're the, that they are. They're little biochemical company uh, factories, and they can then uh, be be programmable to make desirable bioactors or whatever the market is demanding. And it's to essentially how does one develop a robust enough process that is flexible to actually create a broad range of uh, desirable fermented products. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. Uh, I am, I am, I mean, I was already fascinated in fungi before I spoke to you two. So it's, it's, it's an area of particular interest to me. And I, I would be interested to sort of follow further what you do. So let's, uh, let's stay in touch. And um, thank you for coming on and talking to me. Uh, Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. Sunshine over there in Ireland, like we have. Yeah. So you can go out and. Yeah, we'll join the we'll join the rest of the summer. Yes. Great. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. All the best. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.